Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes for the sun to suddenly disappear out of the sky if you live on the eastern side of a time zone. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about nothing? Wait, that can't be right. Uh, first, we're discussing a couple games we played recently. Oh, I see what happened. We played a lot of games recently, so today we're going wild on game reviews. Games like Escape Team, Cursed Tales Online Escape Rooms, Cold Case Murder with Interest, The Exit Advent Calendars, Cryptid Urban Legends, Namiji, or The Market for Space Merchant Translators, Oh Really? Stay Cool, and Lands of Galsier. Whew! And now, here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. A couple quick announcements before we hop into the main episode, and that is we have a couple of awesome streams coming up on our Twitch channel. In fact, we have three streams coming up that you all are not (laughs) going to want to miss. As you all know, we typically stream every Tuesday and Thursday evening, but we have some special stuff coming up this coming weekend. TLN gets taken over by the op. The op is sponsoring the whole weekend for Monopoly Day. It's National Monopoly Day, and everyone in TLN is going to be playing a different version of Monopoly. And I know what you're thinking. No, this is not a joke. This is going to be a really cool event. And I just, Mm -hmm. I know sometimes hobby gamers like to make fun of older games that they don't play anymore. But I would bet that most of you listening to this have played Monopoly at one point in your life and really enjoyed it. So come rediscover the love of a game that you loved once as a kid and get to see a whole bunch of different versions of it because we're playing every version of Monopoly I think you could just about think of. It's going to be a wild weekend. Ambi, what time is your stream? Because you and I are streaming separately. Yeah, so Toby and I are streaming Friday night, 8 p.m. Pacific, and we're actually streaming the original Monopoly. Ooh, Toby actually really likes Monopoly. He used to play it a lot, so he knows a lot of Monopoly stuff, and he will help me figure out what I need to do when I play. Nice. And then my stream will be Saturday the 19th at 5 p.m. Pacific. And for those of you who are overseas, note that America just ended daylight savings time recently. I think most other countries have switched as well at this point, but in case that affects you, please feel free to use Google to check the actual times because things get a little bit wonky this time of year. So Mm -hmm. then we've got those two Monopoly streams and the following weekend, it'll be right after Thanksgiving on Saturday, November 26th, Ambie and I will be streaming Decorum, which is the cooperative, passive-aggressive house decorating (laughs) game from Floodgate Games. We are super stoked about this. Cannot wait. Mm -hmm. Floodgate is going to be sponsoring our stream. I've already played Decorum and really enjoy it, but I haven't Mm -hmm. gotten to play a two-player yet. So I'm especially looking forward to this. (laughs) Me too. We got a review copy of Escape Team, which is a escape room type game that's a print and play escape room type game with an app. So Escape Team is an app on your phone, but also like there's different missions that you can print out and you can buy each mission individually or like mission packs, I think. I don't think it costs too much, but we got all of the missions gifted to us. And so the way the game works is that each mission has different puzzles in it and you print out like six sheets of paper or something and they have the different puzzles in there called like phase one, two, three, four, five. There's five puzzles and the puzzles have numeric answers and you input them into the app and there's the app has a timer and also some like voice acting with the theme in it like you're some I don't actually know what the theme is. <laughs> there's like someone like trying to derail a train or something. It's like a different bad guy that you're trying to stop. A lot of the puzzles are like cutting things. 
So you need pencils, paper, and scissors when you play the game. And so like sometimes you're just like cutting a bunch of things and then putting them together. So that takes a lot of time. Other puzzles are like some logic puzzle or some like they're all number codes and stuff. Sometimes it's like looking at an optical illusion or something. So there's different types of puzzles. And if you like doing like puzzles, I think it's pretty good for for the price because it's pretty cheap. I played Escape Team solo. It's technically like two to four players. And I think it works with multiple people because there's multiple puzzles that you can split up and solve, even though you have to solve them in order. Like you have all of the paper at the beginning and you have all of the puzzle material. So you can do all the puzzles and <laughs> technically you don't need the app. You can just like do all the puzzles. You can print out the puzzles online and like do them, but you just won't know if you get the answer right, I guess. And you won't have the story. <laughs> It'll be a mystery forever. <laughs> yeah. um, but you, there is also a tutorial on Escape Team website that you can print out and play for free. So you can like do that to see if you like this type of game. I enjoyed it. There were some puzzles that I would get stuck on and then that got kind of frustrating because there's a hint system, but like the hints reveal based on time. So like if you're stuck on a phase, then a hint will come out like after a minute or something. I don't know what the time is. And then another hint will come out after another minute or 30 seconds or something. So if you already know the hint that comes out, you have to wait for the next hint. And so you're just like stuck not doing anything. In my case, I ended up like doing other phases while I was stuck on that phase and then waiting for the next hints to come out. But like you kind of just have to keep waiting until the hint tells you a new hint that you don't know already. So I, I don't like the hint system in this game because of the time. <laughs> it's like stuck behind a time wall. <laughs> but otherwise, it's mostly like a puzzle escape room if you like doing little puzzles and especially if you like cutting out things and like craft puzzles. I think Escape Team has a lot of those craft puzzles. So you can check it out for free. Also, you can uh, do make your own escape rooms and play community-made ones. They have the, some on like a forum. I haven't played any of them, so I don't know. I it's don't just know a really cool concept, right? Yeah, it's a cool concept, yeah. Yeah, so you can check out Escape Team right now for free. Or you can, I mean, after you check out the tutorial for free, you can buy the missions and play them too. Next up, Ambie and I both recently got to check out some of the online escape rooms from Cursed Tales. Those of you who watch us on Twitch maybe mm -hmm. saw one or two of our streams. We actually streamed a couple of their rooms. And Cursed Tales is a browser-based online escape room that can be played solo or with multiple people if you screen share via something like Zoom or, you know, any other video sharing service where mm -hmm. you can share both picture and sound from your browser. We talked about this a little bit during our Twitch stream, but I didn't have really like any specific expectations going into these. Browser-based escape rooms can kind of run the gamut between like really impressive and kind of underwhelming. Mm -hmm. And these truly impressed me. I liked... Like the, the interface was pretty simplistic, truly. Like the visuals were not like completely wowing me, but I liked the point and click ways that we were able to do things. The maps that they gave you to show where you could go. It was all laid out pretty straightforward. The hint system was okay. There were a couple times where we were kind of stuck. But overall, like, all of their rooms are spooky themed and they genuinely startled and scared Ambie and I a couple of times. But I, I enjoyed both of the ones we played so far, Ambie. What, what did you think? Yeah, I liked them. The puzzles were fun too. Most, most of them, like, I enjoyed. Some of them I, I didn't like as much as others. But yeah, it, it was cool. And like going through the different maps actually going to different locations and figuring out stuff and then going back and like, okay, now we can open this lock. So that was pretty neat. Yeah, they had some good 
visual and Mm -hmm. auditory like little thing like if you're somebody who doesn't like scary stuff Mm -hmm. i i can say i sympathize because i don't do haunted houses i don't do (laughs) horror movies right but we were able to handle this like there are tiny moments of like oh oh gosh like but it it wasn't like really scary it was just like a tiny little like i don't even like jump scares and what happened Mm -hmm. in this didn't even bother me so take that for what it's worth we did play in like brightly lit rooms and stuff so I mean, yeah. true. I yeah. mean, if you choose I mean, yeah, to play don't like scary something stuff. spooky in a dark room, like that's on you, right? Like that's not anybody else's yeah. fault. <laughs> but yeah, we actually have an affiliate link for Cursed Tales. Ambie will put that in the description of the show notes. So if you're interested in maybe over the holidays, checking out some online escape rooms with your family or friends, I would recommend these. They're definitely mm-hmm. not holiday themed. Well, they're what? They're kind of Halloween themed. But they're not Christmas themed. Yeah, it's a holiday. So these are holiday themed escape rooms for you to play this holiday season (laughs) and we also have some highlight videos up on youtube if you want to see some clips that tried to minimize the spoilers in those videos oh you did a great job of that and also yeah (laughs) if you all haven't seen what ambie and i dressed up as for halloween you a hundred percent have to go to the youtube channel and look up our playthrough of the doll's house because or no, the forest. Oh, the, forest yeah. the forest. The forest is the one for Halloween. Y'all, if you just I'm not even going to tell you what we dressed up as. You have to go look. I'm going to yeah. tell you, go to our YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button, check out that video. <laughs> and speaking of more escape room type games, I also got a review copy of Cold Case Murder with Interest. So this is not an escape room. This is a murder mystery game. So there's no timer or anything. I had talked about a couple of other cold case games before, but these are published by Think Fun. And Cold Case Murder with Interest is a, a new one. <laughs> so in these types of games, you're doing a murder mystery. It's basically there. you get things like photos, newspaper clippings, police reports. You get a whole file of these things and it's supposed to be a cold case that was from years ago. And you're like opening it up and seeing if you can find any new insights to reopen the case that's the theme so, so, so basically you're a modern day podcaster is what you're saying because that's what like all of the murder mystery podcasts seem to be is like someone digging into like an old story that no one ever solved or whatever yeah i guess but then you get like the physical files and stuff which is like newspapers clippings and stuff that's cool so the murder with interest one it had it had a lot of photos in it, which I liked because I, I want to try to minimize spoilers here, but like the photos were actually, you had to look through them and like you get something out of looking at the photos, which I thought was really cool because it kind of feels like a detective. You're looking through these things and like, ooh, I noticed this. And then at the end, you just answer a couple questions on their website and then it tells you like the story, the rest of the story. So it's it's more like a interactive story that you're going through. You're reading through all the files and then just answer the questions there's like four questions so it's not like super puzzly or anything but it's a fun if you like being a detective murder mystery type things and then i like the cold case series and murder with interest i i enjoyed i don't remember like comparing it to the other two that i played i remember i enjoyed those but like i don't remember like how much compared to this one (laughs) i've i've had trouble with that in the past like i I can generally tell you which escape room systems are my favorites, but like (laughs) there are outliers in every system, Mm -hmm. right? Both good and bad typically. So yeah, it's hard for me to like remember the specific details of like individual ones, especially ones that I played years ago. I'm like, I think I liked that. (laughs) Well, next up is another one that 
Ambie and I have both played and not played, kind of. (laughs) So I don't remember if we mentioned this on the podcast last year. I think we may have at some point. But the people who make Exit the Game, the escape room board games, last year for the first time came out with Exit the Game Advent Calendar. For those of you who are not familiar with the concept of advent calendars, they kind of started as a religious thing and have turned into a more of a secular thing for a lot of people (laughs) where you get some kind of a box or container of some sort with 25 days in it. And for every day in December, you open up one section, door, cubicle, whatever, and get a thing usually, like a little trinket or a piece of Mm -hmm. food or candy or whatever. Well, in this, you get a tiny escape room every Mm -hmm. single day. So Ambie and I have both played Exit's advent calendar, The Mystery of the Ice Cave, which came out last year. Or actually, it came out originally in 2020 and then came to the States in 2021, I believe. It was in German in 2020, I think. Yes. Then it was translated. Then the English edition came out. And then this year, or last year plus this year, the (laughs) new one came out, The Hunt for the Golden Book. Mm -hmm. And Ambie and I both have the Golden Book, but obviously haven't played it yet because it's not December. But we did want to talk about the series so you all were aware of it and could order your own before December. Obviously, we can't discuss a lot of what goes on in the game because of spoilers. But Ambie, what were your thoughts uh, on the mystery of the ice cave? So I really like exit games, as I've mentioned multiple times. And so this was also just an exit puzzle every day, which was pretty cool. And I liked it. And it also has an overarching story. It's not just individual puzzles. It's like combined together to be like a big exit game (laughs) over the whole month. So that was really neat. And I was always, I was surprised by a lot of things that they had and like a lot of puzzles that they did. (laughs) And that's kind of been a theme for, at least for me, for exit games right from the beginning is Mm -hmm. exit has done, in my estimation, more surprising and innovative things than a lot of other escape room systems mm-hmm. that are in kind box form, basically. And this is not a spoiler, but one of the coolest things that these advent calendars do that I wasn't expecting, I don't know why, but I just assumed, because like in an advent calendar, you usually open the door, take the thing out, use the thing, eat the thing, whatever, and then you're done with it. But you actually utilize the space where the items were held too. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes the actual box itself that contains the components, you have to utilize the box as well. Even the little like alcove where things were mm-hmm. stored in really unique and innovative ways. And when I would figure out the solutions to some of the uh, the days, I was just like, holy moly, like this is so good. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm excited for the, the Hunt for the Golden Book one. <laughs> Absolutely, me too. So yeah, we haven't played Golden Book yet, but we will be soon. And honestly, with Exit's track record, I'm not hesitating mm-hmm. to recommend both, even though I haven't played the second <laughs> one yet. I, Based on how good the first one was, I would be shocked if the second one mm-hmm. wasn't equally as impressive and fun and honestly like if you're a family that likes escape rooms like what a neat little activity to do for 15 or 20 minutes every day in december Mm. like it's a really neat little experience yeah that's it for the escape room games that we're talking about only those only the escape room games (laughs) but but wait there's more (laughs) yeah oh but if you do like a lot of escape rooms and want to hear about more i did do a video recently on YouTube of escape room games systems. So you could go check that out. I'll link that in the show notes. 
Yeah, that's a good video. Another game I played recently that I got a review copy of is Cryptid Urban Legends. So this is published by Osprey Games in 2022, designed by Hal Duncan and Ruth Vivers. Cryptid Urban Legends is in the same universe as the deduction game Cryptid, but the gameplay is nothing similar <laughs> to that game. Um, Cryptid Urban Legends is a two-player abstract game. <laughs> so in the game, one player is a cryptid and one's a scientist, and the cryptid is trying to spread their presence counters on the map, which is just like tiles that you place down, tile cards that you place down in a line. And then the scientist is trying to like not let them do that. Each round or, or turn, you are moving from one line to another line, and like there's always just one line. There's like little cubes in in between each tile, and you're just moving them down from like the the previous line to the next line and you do that using movement cards so the cubes have different colors and you have movement cards like you can move all of one color to the right or the left or you could move one cube over one in diagonal there's one other movement you take like one section and split all of the cubes out so some to the left and some to the right because they they have to go diagonally because that that's how the thing is laid out so you're moving them with these cards and you take turns moving all the cubes and then based on like how the cubes are distributed the scientist wants to separate out the cubes so that none of this none of them are similar because the cryptid can spread their presence they pick either a number or a, or a group of colors so if they say like five cubes then every tile that touches exactly five cubes that's where they can spread basically or they can say like black and, and white and so they have to only touch every tile that touches only black and white it's easier if you can see a picture, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I found it difficult to be the scientist. It's easier to be the cryptid to wrap your head around the movement of the markers. And like, it's easier to try to balance things and find things that like, okay, there I can get like all the same numbers matching kind of, whereas the scientist has to get it. So there's nothing matching at all numbers or colors. So I played twice, once um, as the cryptid, once as the scientist in both games, the, the cryptid won, because I think it's easier to learn and wrap your head around. But I don't know, like after you play a lot and get to know the distribution of the cards, because you have a hand of... The cards that that move and you have like each person has so many of each type of card so as, as you play more you'll probably know like oh like this is the possibilities of cards they have left <laughs> and stuff because it's also card draw there's some luck in the card draw so if you like abstract games but you don't like having any randomness in there then there's a little bit of randomness in the card draw especially early on and setting up for future rounds i'm personally not like a big fan of abstract strategy although when i play them i tend to like it i just like don't ask to play abstract games that much but i liked it more than expected i did like trying to figure out the puzzle of like trying to separate out the cubes or keep them together and then thinking about future rounds because after you like separate out the cubes in one round they're gonna stay like that for the next round so it's like okay if i do this then next round i might be able to separate them more or like i need to still keep them together depending on which one i was so i enjoyed that and i i'd be willing to play it again <laughs> so so that's good for <laughs> for me for an abstract game that's cryptid yeah, urban legends yeah I've, I've played regular cryptid which is mm -hmm. obviously kind of a different game but i'm definitely yeah. curious about this one and i like the art too it looks cool but yeah, it's, it's abstract. So. <laughs> Next up for me is Namiji, 
which you may not recognize by name, but I bet a lot of you might be more familiar with its predecessor, which was Takedo. Mm-hmm. So this is the basically the spiritual successor or sequel to Takedo, designed by Antoine Bauza, published by Funforge. So in Takedo, you are going on a vacation, traveling down the old Takedo Road on land in Namiji, you have a boat, you're a fisherman traveling around the Japanese archipelago near the old Tokaido road. So it's kind of like connected in a little weird way, but the two games are completely independent from one another. But Namiji has a lot of familiar mechanisms and strategies to some degree. So just like in Tokaido, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it is a game where everyone is moving along a track and some spaces on the track have multiple places that a player can sit, but generally only one player can sit at a place at a time. And whoever is farthest back on the track gets to go next. So in theory, you can always go to the next space that's available, but that might not be the most advantageous for you. If you go farther ahead, other players may get to take more turns before you take your next turn, but you know it's kind of balancing the cost of what you really want to get versus taking more turns. Also similar to Takedo, there are some things that will seem very familiar, like painting panoramas. That is still in here. But unlike Takedo, this game has a few spots on the path that are a little more luck dependent, including a section that is entirely push your luck, where you are fishing for crustaceans, specific types of crustaceans out of a bag. And if you pull too many crabs out of the bag, you can bust. Truthfully, I like this game almost exactly the same amount as I like Takedo, which is a lot. I don't think I would need to own both games. I do think that this game potentially fixes one of the complaints that I've heard people say about Takedo, where if you know Takedo really well, you're almost always going to kick everybody's butts because there isn't a whole lot of luck-dependent stuff in Takedo. Like the food you draw at the ends can be a little randomized. The items that you go to the shop for are a little randomized. But generally, if you know Takedo well, you're going to beat a player who is new to the game. Whereas in this game, some of the spots are somewhat more luck-dependent, and so it can kind of even the playing field. That can also be frustrating for people who don't like, mm-hmm. you know, luck-dependent games. You can draw, you can go fishing and draw a token and it mm-hmm. may not fit on your board at all. And that's another difference between Namiji and Takedo is you actually have a player board where you get to keep the fish that you've been catching. And based on what rows and columns you complete, you get extra points toward the end of the game. As always from Fun Forge and especially from this series of games, the board, artwork, Everything is freaking gorgeous. The little ship miniatures, uh, at least in the edition that I played on, were completely painted and absolutely stunning. Like those ships are absolutely some of the prettiest things I've seen in a board game in a long time. So I would say if you like Takedo a lot, check out Namiji. If you're someone who has been interested in Takedo, maybe give it a shot. I honestly, I really liked it. And I think it's a winner. So that's Namiji. All right. The last review copy I'm talking about today is Orp, the Market for Space Merchant Translators, which is self-published by George Zhang. So this is a bluffing deduction game. So the, the theme is that you're like alien merchants and you don't really know the symbols of like what you're trying to 
to trade for like you have something that you want to get but you don't know like the written <laughs> what what things relate to that so each person is going to have a hand of cards there's cards with different symbols that say like glorp orp florp <laughs> different things <laughs> there's like six <laughs> different things of those and then there's also five different like actual commodities like a potion or a, a yukata or a beetle or something and so each person is going to have in secret one of the symbols and one of the items it'll say like a potion equals a glorp and so you'll know that and someone else will know that the beetle equals the florp and you don't know what they, they know each person also has a goal you need to have two potions one beetle and one calculator or something I, I think I just made up the calculator but like that's what you need <laughs> and your hand is going to be like glorp orp orp and <laughs> florps <laughs> those the, your hand is face up so everyone has like a hand of cards but those are like the glorp th things so you need to translate that into the things that you actually need and when you think you've gotten what you need then you like say okay i i'm gonna check and then you check and if you get it then you win <laughs> it's kind of like a logic puzzle but it also has bluffing because on your turn you can you ask someone about their hidden key cards so like is your item a beetle or like is your item is your symbol a glorp or something and they say yes or no but they can lie <laughs> so there's bluffing in there and if they lie and you call them out then they have to turn it face up if they did lie then they have to discard a card from their hand and if they didn't lie then you have to discard a card from your hand. So there's bluffing in there. So you don't necessarily know if what people said is the truth. But then one, once like you figure out, you have like this little grid of where you can mark, make notes and say like, okay, this person has the glorp. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then you can also, other actions you could do is like you forced trade with something, someone else. So you trade, you, you just trade with someone else. So you're, you're trying to get your hand to what you need. My group, we liked it okay. We thought the bluffing didn't work too well the way it was because it didn't feel like it rewarded calling a bluff since when, when you call a bluff, they turn it face up. So like everyone gets the information, but you don't really get a bonus for being the person who called them out. Like they get penalized, but you don't get a bonus. So like we didn't end up wanting to call bluffs because then like other people get information. <laughs> it's like, okay. I actually talked to the designer and he was saying that maybe they could uh, draw a card when they correctly call a bluff. And so that might help. And we were actually thinking of that too. So, and then for me personally, I'm not as big of a fan of bluffing as deduction. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but like, I'm not a huge bluffing fan. So the bluffing for me, like I didn't like that as much. <laughs> I, I just want the deduction part. And then in our game, we played once in our game, it ended up like multiple people ended up figuring out what every one thing was, but then we just started trading too late. And then after one turn of trading, Toby ended up winning and he was the closest because he started out with a hand that was like very close to what he needed. Whereas like everyone else had hands that were not close to what we needed. So, <laughs> so he ended up winning. So there's luck there. But I think with more of the bluffing, if, if people leaned into the bluffing part more then people would be less sure of what other people have and like there could be more tr forced trading so you like prevent that person from winning because you take away the cards that they need kind of ah okay so there would be like, i think with more bluffing there would be more of a take that and thing and i could see that being well i think i could see that being not my type of game because i don't like like take that or either right <laughs> um or bluffing but like for people who like that type of thing i could see there's like bluffing take that and deduction in there so yeah, that's ORP, the market for space merchant translators. Next up for me is a little party game from Randolph, but we actually received the review copy from Hatchette, who I believe is going to be releasing it in the States or already has. It came out originally in 2019 and it's called Oh Really? 
with a question mark at the end. <laughs> so I have to like do the intonation so that way you all know it's, oh, really? <laughs> and then the, the subtitle on the box says, I thought I knew you better than that. I will first preface this with, this is a party game. I would not classify this as an adult party game, but there are cards within the game that speak to adult subject matter, things such as one night stands, for instance. Mm -hmm. So things that are definitely not kid friendly material, but it's also not like super crude, but just be aware this is not necessarily a game for kids. So in O'Reilly, you draw cards from the deck and the cards say things like the Spice Girls, having 12 friends over for dinner, hot sauce, like random stuff like that. And you draw five of them and you lay them out on the table and the active player then ranks the five random things based on which one is their favorite and on down to their least favorite. But these things are not in the same category. It's not like your five favorite bands. It's like, how do you rate a one night stand against the Spice Girls, right? Like that's, those are very different things. So I played this with a group of friends that included some people that know Know each other very well and some people who know nothing about each other which actually made this really amusing because obviously like there were some cards that came up and I'm like I definitely know this person's opinion on that one thing but that other thing I have no idea about and then for the people who didn't know each other they were like uh I'm just gonna guess and then with the people <laughs> who didn't know each other so uh, the other players also have a set of cards numbered one through five and after the person has set their rankings the other players put their cards out face down putting what they think the active player ranked and then they also have an I know this one card that they place with one of their number cards which um. gives them an extra point if they get it right or they lose a point if they get it wrong that's it that's the whole game very simple mechanism you get points as the active player based on the guessing player who got the most points that round so you are encouraged obviously to not pick things randomly because that would kind of screw up the game I had a lot of fun with this one. If you're somebody who likes games in the ilk of Cards Against Humanity or things like that, you know, big group party games that are fun, a little subversive and neat for a group of people who know each other really well, this goes up to eight players and it is a blast. Also, the game was designed by a famous artist. So her name is M.C. Marquis. I actually looked up her website. Marie-Claude Marquis is her name. And she looks like somebody who I want to be best friends with, for the record. I love her. Like, just reading her website and having played this game. Her artwork is all over the game. It's very quirky. It's pop culture-ish, but also, like, nostalgic and, like, I don't know. It's really, her stuff is very interesting. I suggest looking her up if for no other reason than I think she's great. But the game is also a lot of fun. So this one, I believe, should be available in the States this time of year, I hope. If you're looking for a new party game to gift somebody over the holidays, oh, really? is a good choice as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> okay, the last game I'm going to talk about has already been talked about on this podcast a few episodes ago, um, and that's Stay Cool. This is a party game that Crystal talked about a while ago. After she talked about it, I put it on my want to play list <laughs> because of her description. And then I bought it a few weeks ago, and then we played it. And Toby and I both love it. So stay cool. Spoiler alert, man. <laughs> yeah. 
2019 by Scorpion Mask, designed by Julianne Sentis. This is a party real-time trivia game. It's not like heavy on the trivia because I don't usually like trivia games, but the hard part is the real-time because this is a multitasking game. You're just answering easy trivia questions, but multiple ones at a time. So one person is asking you trivia questions that you have to answer using these dice that have different letters on them. They have three or four letter answers. So like, what insect makes honey? And then you say like B-E-E. And so you spell that out. Meanwhile, another person asks you questions from another card. Then you say those answers verbally. So while you're like spelling out this thing, then someone asks you oh, like, who here has the longest hair? And then you say it. And so you're doing that. And then there's also a timer, a 30 second timer. And then someone will be flipping it three times. So there's like four of those timers. And that's round one. And then round two, you have to tell the person to flip the timer. So like before the 30 seconds runs out, you have to say like time so that they flip it. And if you don't, then you just only get those 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, you only get it. what time yeah. you get at that point. Yeah, and you score based on how many questions you answer. It's one card multiplied by the other card. And so like if you only do one card, then you're only getting so many points. But like you want to You got to do both, both basically. To get, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to get the multiplication factor in there. <laughs> and it is shocking then, how your brain yeah. breaks when two people are asking you easy questions at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then in round three, you can't see the timer. So you have to say time just like without seeing yeah, the, the timer. The timer's behind the box and you still have to tell them when to flip yeah. it, but you don't get to see it. And if you flip yeah, it early, so that means your next section will be less than 30 seconds. So I you know. really don't. I don't think I've ever made it past 30 seconds in the third round of this game. Oh, the first time I played, I was so Like I was surprisingly good at the third round. I was like, I thought I was going to fail at, at um, getting the timer, but like I was able to get it. And then last time we played, I got stressed out and then missed on the second time i said time like right after it ran out oh. uh, but, yeah i got stressed out <laughs> but yeah i really like this game i like multitasking and toby really likes it too and we we haven't done it yet but we want to play it two player because it, it's uh, <laughs> it's three to seven players because like one person's asking one question another person's asking another question someone else is doing the timer but like one person can do the timer and ask a question but we want to play it two players so that like the person asking the questions they're asking both questions because then they're multitasking too it, they would be asking both questions and flipping the timer because oh that be... <laughs> that's how i don't i don't I don't want to be stressed unless I'm the active player, Andy. Well, I just, no, no that's the time for me to chill. <laughs> no, so like, we, we really want to try it two player because you think that would be cool. We just get to do multitasking the whole game. <laughs> it's, it's honestly, it's just a really fun game and it feels a lot, it feels different than a lot of other party games. Yeah. Yeah, and there there were some trivia things that I didn't understand that I like I didn't know, but then the friend asking the question would kind of like rephrase it or kind of help with it. But like, there's not enough time to necessarily get it, but it, it's fun anyway. So yeah, if you like real time stress and like multitasking, then Stay Cool is great. <laughs> well, but that's like that sells it short because I I don't really like multitasking <laughs> and I don't really like stress, but I love Stay Cool so. <laughs> It's because it's short, right? Like it's contained. It short. It's not. Yeah, it's, only, it's not prolonged. It's two minutes stress. or less. <laughs> two minutes or less. Usually less. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last up in our review of Palooza, I <laughs> recently got my game found pledge of a game that I backed what feels like a while ago now, that is Lands of Galzier. So Lands of Galzier is the next game from designer Sammy Lasco and also Seppo K. 
K is how I'm going to, I'm just going to abbreviate his last name because I, there's literally no way I'd be able to pronounce it. So Sammy Lasko previously designed two games in the same world of Dimeria called Dale of Merchants and Dawn of Peacemakers. They're all the, this land that's populated by anthropomorphic animals, basically. So Lands of Galzir, this is a pure adventure game. Literally, you take on characters who have specific traits, items, and quests. The board is this big world and there's, it's double-sided with summer and winter. And all of the locations on the board also have their summer and winter versions on cards that get flipped over. You play month by month. As far as I can tell so far, it's not a campaign per se. You're not adventuring toward an, a big end game goal. You're just adventuring for the sake of adventuring. And what's neat is the game comes with an app that has the storybook in it. And so similar to games like Forgotten Waters or other games that have an app companion, like a lot of the story is contained within the app. And so you go to specific entries in the app based on the cards you've drawn. The cards remind me a lot of Seventh Continent because you have this big box of cards that are all sorted by number and the game will prompt you to pull out certain cards at certain times, including quests that will like go into the back of your section of quest cards. So like you might do one thing that activates something and it goes into the box in a different section and it'll come back around at some point. So like there is stuff that like carries on but there isn't some big goal. You're never improving your characters. You always have the same number of trait points, but you can modify your traits throughout the course of the game to make you better at doing certain tasks and, or, you know, whatever you want to do. The first time I played this, me and my partner played this four times in a row. <laughs> so... Yeah. Yeah, like, and each game took, I would say, around an hour, probably. Like, we played this for an entire afternoon. And honestly, we probably could have kept playing, but we were sitting on our butts that long. I was like, we got to get up and do something else. <laughs> I love games that have adventure components in them, right? Like Runebound or Return to Dark Tower, things that have just... Go on an adventure, complete quests, get items, do cool things. This is that in a box. It is absolutely wonderful. The components are great. Everything is well produced. So if you need that like big thing that you're working toward in a game, you may be a little disappointed with this. Again, technically I'm only four months in so far, but so far I don't believe it's building toward anything specific, but we will be unlocking new quests. There are some character specific quests as well that you encounter. There's tags that each of the characters have and the items have. And like when you go to the storybook, it'll say, do you have this tag? And if you do, it'll unlock new stuff. I just, oh, this is my kind of game, like all over. I love it so much. I'm very excited to keep playing it. And so if you're like me and you like going on an adventure, I highly recommend you take a look at Lands of Galzir. That's spelled G-A-L-Z-Y-R from Snowdale Design. Oh, that's very different than Dale of Merchants. <laughs> 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 I, I play Dale of Merchants and that's like it. <laughs> Nothing like that. Not Interesting. See, yeah, I haven't played it either of Sammy's <laughs> other games, so I don't have any knowledge of those. 
I'm looking at Dawn of Peacemakers and it looks like that's more, that's an, also a campaign game and stuff. But Dale of Merchants was like a deck building type, like oh, interesting. <laughs> hand management game or something. Like, well, hopefully one or some of the games we discussed today <laughs> will interest some of you. We just wanted to get a whole bunch of these reviews out before the holiday season hits. So mm-hmm. that way we, you know, if you're looking to purchase games for yourself or your friends or your family, maybe we've given you some new stuff to take a look at. We definitely ran the gamut as far as like genres go. So hopefully there's something for everyone. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Do you have what it takes to come out on top in the Atlantis of the Sands? Find out soon in Bazaars of Ubar, a fantastical engine building game. And we know you know, but Blitzketeers get 20% off non-exclusive items at grayfoxgames.com by using the code GFGBLITZ2022 at checkout. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord for virtual game nights, discussions, and more by following the link in the show notes. Support the show by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you want behind-the-scenes access and an invite to our private Slack channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Until next time, set up the table. Open the box. I got a feeling I won't be outboxed. Okay, okay, alright. It's about game time. Bye, everyone. Bye.